0: Welcome to another episode of Conversation with the Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Jordan Clay at Pippi's Kiosk. I love Pippi's Kiosk. It's in Albert Park, but it's right on the beach, as in literally on the beach. You sit at a table where the sea is pretty much lapping at your ankles, but you're drinking beautiful wine and eating glorious food. With the floor to ceiling windows, you get to see all the theatrics, whether it's glorious sunny weather or dramatic storms. It's all beautiful and at Pippi's, you're centre stage. Plus, you're in the hands of an incredible team led by Jordan Clay and Tom Hunter, who all like each other and they love that you're there. Pippi's is the epitome of hospitality. I wrote about them for Broadsheet when they first opened, and I've been wanting to get back over there to talk to Jordan ever since. When Canadian-born Jordan was 18, he won a competition that took him to Paris, and he ended up cooking at Le Chateaubriand before it got on the world's 50 best list. Maybe it was because of Jordan. <laughs> anyway, since then, he's cooked at great places around the world before, lucky for us, he came to Melbourne. Having cooked at Cumulus Up and Oti, where he met friend and business partner Tom Hunter, he then, with Tom, launched Pippies, and the world is a better place for it. I love this conversation, and I absolutely know you will too. i Nice to meet you. See, yeah. I came here to, to write of about the best, the, best, the best. Yeah. Best okay. That's a
1: couple of years ago, a lot's happened
0: since
1: anyone. Yes. <laughs> a lot has happened since then in <laughs> um, How
0: are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. So yeah, have you, how's your week been? Good. Yeah. So um, I'm a teacher as well as a writer. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, it's been a busy week. I teach French.
1: Um, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I'm from Canada, so uh-huh. I... Yes. I we have to take French compulsory for like a very long time.
0: So, you still speak French?
1: Mm, not so much anymore. Yeah. If you don't lose it, or use it, you kind of lose it. Exactly right. Yeah, it's like, sound like my German, yeah. We are doing a. Uh, I'm going to Indonesia to go on a resort in a couple of the weeks' time. Oh. And the resort is owned by some French people. And when I did a video call, they're like, oh, Jordan, I see you on your CV you've worked in France. Like, do you speak French? And like, I was like, yeah, I can, I can speak a little bit, but it's, like, very elementary. And I was like, je comprends un petit peu. And they're like, oh, the well, way. like, And then they just, like, rifled off into the thing. And yeah, I'm like,
0: yeah. no, no. I can't,
1: I can't, not that
0: well. Attentive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Mm. Is it just for a holiday? No, it's like, oh. um, it's like this new resort
1: on a very small island and they're just hosting residencies like three week residencies and i think what's happened is they've had somebody pull out last minute okay. and they're trying to fill a spot so it's all happened
0: very abruptly but and does that mean that you are inheriting menus or you can go and do what you like no you do whatever you like yeah, yeah. I think
1: it's like a multi-outlet resort, and one of the outlets is like a, not a fine dining restaurant, but a, a restaurant proper, and it's just like one chef's table, twelve to twenty covers. It'll be interesting.
0: It's a great experience. Yeah,
1: it'll be it'll be fun. Is
0: it breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or just no, just, just dinner. dinners? Yeah. Okay, okay.
1: I, they have other
0: outlets that do that as well, but yeah. Um,
1: but...
0: So you just give them a supply list and they'll come up with it or do you meet suppliers once you here or they, like, do they have a lot of the ordering goes via like Bali okay. but
1: they said that like a lot of fish and things like that will be like Fisher Direct yeah. which is quite interesting like yeah.
0: okay oh, that'd be cool yeah
1: we listen we we deal with a bit of Fish Direct stuff here yeah. like Two Hands and those kinds of companies and like that comes with its own like curveballs. balls so, you know, throw in a language barrier, throw in, like, probably, you know, island mentality, which is pretty chill. We'll yeah. see. It'll be, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's only 12 to 20 covers, so. What
0: an amazing experience. It'll be really great.
1: It'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I just read a review uh, and... The person just said how, it, and it's a really recent one, of um, being here and looking at the autumnal sunshine and just what an incredible experience it was. And I really like that because I always feel a little bit like I'm, it's got nothing to do with me of course, but when I've written a story about someone, like I like to see that they're still doing well, of course, as you would be. Um, but it was like, oh, that's great. People are still reviewing you because you opened a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But then had turmoil. You made it through the end of lockdowns and things. Yeah, I mean, it was mostly
1: it was it's so hard, like it's such a blur, right? Yeah, like, the actual timeframes. I couldn't and even I'm remember not... when I
0: came here. You know, like it was.
1: Yeah, because it's so like stoppy, starty Yeah, and um, I'm not, I'm not good with dates and, and and stuff like that. At the best of times. When I was doing my like citizenship application, you have to list all these places that you've been and I made a mistake. I had to go back and do it. And yeah. I was like, it was a nightmare. Anyway, um, so, but yet, yeah, I mean, the bulk of COVID was spent here just hanging out with these guys. So that yeah, was nice. Cause he did operate
0: as a kiosk.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, you know what? We were really like fortunate and lucky that we had like a bit of a captive audience. Like people are trapped at home. Of course, they're gonna be walking up and down the beach. Like I became an expert level barista. Something I never thought I would have to learn how to do. Um, but like it's just um, fortunate circumstances that you're on the water. Like a lot of other places that tried to pivot and stuff, would have struggled a lot, yeah. a lot more. So yeah. yeah, I just like timing, right place, right time. That was already. Baked into the business plan, anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just really lucky. It
0: just there's something very magical about eating. I mean, you're very close to the sea. You know, there's other places that are like on the sea or on the beach, but you're literally, literally on the beach, I and mean, the sea is really close. Especially right now, is it? High, is it high tide? Is that as, is it as, high, um, as high as it gets?
1: It could very well be high tide, but yeah, it doesn't fluctuate like very noticeably. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I have May, been I told though that when it floods, the water can come all the way up to the Bluestone, which Ooh. would be pretty crazy. So. Yeah, okay. But yeah. it, that didn't happen last November, December when it was really, really wet. Okay. So.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And, and I think I remember saying too that it'll be beautiful at any time of the year. You know, when, when it's summer, it's amazing. But then when it's stormy, it's also an impressive place to be. It's pretty good. Yeah, I
1: having now spent Two years here, every, like coming to work every day. For me, the autumn and the winter is like my favorite time. It's it's kind of a catch twenty two. Like in the summertime when it's super sunny and like beautiful, the wind is always a little bit higher. Yeah. Whereas in the wintertime, it's always super calm and like especially the mornings, like the water is like glass. It's like so nice to be down here. So yeah, and yeah, like you say, like when storms happen and things like that. And also like just watching the ships go by, like Tommy has a, has a ship tracking app and if you see a peculiar one, you're like, what do they have on board? Where have they been? Like, <laughs> So that's,
0: that's nice. It is, it's good. It's a nice place to come to work. And has it met your expectations in terms of owning, being owner, owner-chefs?
1: I um, think so. I don't think like anything has changed for me from being a head chef somewhere and being an owner per se. I like responsibility wise, but in terms of like mentality and how you conduct yourself in the kitchen, it's the same. And I think that was a big reason why I decided to become, I guess, or have have a crack at being a business owner. Like at some point you start to feel like, Like you're, I, I, I wanna be careful how I put this, but you, you're not boxed in by the people that you're working for per se, but sometimes you see angles and you wanna do things a little bit differently, but it's not your business at the end of the day and you have to toe the line. Um, even if you are a head chef, like it's not your money on the line, you can walk away at any point and no risk to you so I think sometimes like young chefs can lose sight of that Mm. Um, but yeah like you just got to put your money where your mouth is eventually and have a red-hot crack and just leave all the chips on the table and whatever happens happens so yeah but in terms of like I still come into the kitchen the same way I would do three, four years ago when I was just a head chef or a sous chef. Nothing has changed for me in that respect at all. So, um, and like, I think in like the French Laundry or something, Thomas Keller, there's like a really famous quote from him and he says that he could always tell who's gonna go on to open their own businesses and open their own restaurants and have success because they treated his restaurant the same way they would treat a restaurant that they owned and that kind of quote I mean it's a bit like fanciful you think when you're not in those shoes but now I really understand
0: what like it makes sense nothing has changed for me not respect so yeah and that must be I mean it must be great for owners to have people like that working in their kitchens because then you are um you're proud of what you're putting up and you are taking responsibility for it and you're you know wanting it to to succeed it's the best kind of employee i would imagine <laughs> of course but also it's it's all like the owners are responsible for that
1: as much as well like that is like by design you know they empower at least the people that i've worked for they empowered me i had ownership over the menu they're not just like delegating from the top and saying cook this like this it's like if you have that kind of ownership over a menu and your team and all the rest of it, then, I mean, of course you're gonna to wanna to do your absolute best for them, so.
0: That's true. And that, I think the same can be said for um, you know, the structure of a kitchen and, and the putting together of a team and how leadership works. I was just at a hospitality event, um, so mental health and hospitality on Monday night run by the Movember team. And um, in conjunction with some hospo people, and, and that's a really big question at the mo- well, not question. It's a really big point of discussion at the moment. Well-being in hospitality, mm-hmm. and it has to be has to be top-down, doesn't it? It has to be the people setting, putting systems in place, and of course,
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I think that's like that's a greater focus across society, whether you want to focus on hospitality or not. But. Um, I think just like the awareness level is so much higher, even than it was 10 years ago, right? So, yeah, and that's important. And mm-hmm. it's also like, we're all really close here as well. So, you know, a lot of people that are here, like, we're, yeah, we're work colleagues, but we're also close friends. So, yeah, I think if you can't speak about that with your friends, then, uh,
0: yeah. I think that's, a, that's an incredible context to be in and, and how, you know, you've kind of got it all here and you? you've got a beautiful setting and then you're coming to work with your friends, that's the dream.
1: Totally, <laughs> that's the dream. But you know, like, also, um, I think if you work in hospitality, especially if you're a career professional, you probably enjoy your job. And not everyone can say that, you know, and and I think, like, just that in itself, you're really lucky. Mm. Because I would, you know, like, not every, a lot of people, a job is a job for them at the end of the day, and it's a way for them to fund other things. So, I mean, if you are fortunate enough to have a profession that you actually genuinely enjoy, and of course, there's like parts of it that you're not gonna love, but on the whole, like, if you enjoy it, like, you should count yourself lucky just just from there. So, yeah. mm,
0: mm. I'd like to go back to the start of <laughs> things for you because cause I've read several times, I've read, you know, you were 18 and you won a competition to go and cook in France. Mm-hmm. Did you, what happened before that? How did you even get into that position?
1: Um, this is funny. Well, <laughs> I... Um, when I was, like, 14, my friends, it was, like, that time you get a summer job, right? And my friends, they all applied at this um, petrol station attached to a grocery store. And, of course, I want to work with my friends, so I go and apply, and they're like, Jordan, you as you lose, like, you're, we're all full up for the summer. Like, sorry, there's nothing here for you. And so, you know, like, kicking rocks away from the petrol station, um, I later found out in that week that um, the golf course for me and my friends, we, we, I played a lot of golf growing up, and, and the chef there was looking for someone to help out, and yeah, I mean, I started, like, I was already there every day at this golf course, so why not make it be the cash? Yeah, right. I also thought, you know, learning how to cook would be an interesting way to impress the girls, and yeah, I just enjoyed it. It was pretty rough and tumble too, like the chef, he was like pretty old school, this old like Swiss dude, probably drank too much, smoked too many ciggies, but like was a nice guy, like nice enough to take this 14 year old kid who had like no idea, like no clue, and kind of like just tolerate him for an entire summer, because that's what it would have been.
0: And we were doing kitchen handy like jobs. No, like cooking
1: on the fryer, making sandwiches, lots of like lunchtime stuff, soups, things like that. Okay. So yeah, and then yeah, I did that for consecutive summers until I was like 18, and then um, my dad was like, "You need to like go to university." So I did that for a year, and. It wasn't for me.
0: What did you study? I
1: studied um, communication so I wanted to get into like marketing, advertising and all the classes that I enjoyed were like had nothing to do with that. Like, <laughs> I took a film class that was like really interesting yes. <laughs> and I was just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like fit in at a desk you know like that's just not me. So then I went to culinary school after that right. and my dad was like he was kind of like okay if that's what you want to do yeah. Um, but he was like, "You, you did the, you did a year, so you gave it a try, so go for it."
0: Okay. And so then, how did the competition? We, we, how did that happen? Um, when
1: I was in culinary school, because I had a, quite a bit of experience already leading up to that. Like I worked at a couple other restaurants prior to that. Obviously, the golf club for multiple years. Um, I kind of had a slight edge over, say, some other people who were just picking it up for the first time. And I had a mentor at, um, say, Polytechnic, which is where I went to culinary school, which is in Calgary. And he was like, do you want to try this? Like, it's explaining to me, like, what a black box is and stuff like that. And, you know, Iron Chef was really big at this time as well. so. Yeah, I mean, like, that's enticing to somebody who's 18, 19 years old. Totally. It's it's a bit of a competition thing. Yeah. I I played a lot of sport, like competitive sport growing up. And I think there's a common thread with a lot of chefs. And, like, they're a type of personality, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And they're competitive, whether it's overt or kind of undercover. But, like...
0: Yeah, so that's right. So whether or not you're entering competitions, you're always kind of in competition, aren't you? With yourself or with with other restaurants, so I guess there's that whole... Sure.
1: And, you know, it's not as... It's not as negative or... um, I guess pessimistic is probably a better word to use as it used to be. Mm. I know, like, when I was, like, in my early 20s, people would go and dine out other places and they would just then talk shit about it to mm. the, oh. their their other colleagues like after they had oh, no. dined out yeah. and that was like that was a common thing okay. and I don't notice that as much anymore it's very rare like everybody is much more supportive I think just across the board because everyone knows like how actually hard it is to do something even
0: very simple mm. so. So you enter the competition and you win that, and then you go to France what's that for? For experience, an experience, work experience,
1: and it, half of it was organised by the school,
0: yeah, um, and the other half I organised myself. And had you been to France before? Yeah. I don't know. Never. Okay. Yeah. But then all that French you learnt came into... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, some of it, but I mean, it's different French. Like, it is different French, yes. Quebecois French. Yes, um, yes. And... It's a lot faster, especially if you're not a fluent speaker. So,
0: and how do you go about organizing things for yourself when you're 18? You it? just
1: you just knock on doors and, until like, and lots of people turn me away. Like, um, you several, in Paris, yeah, yeah, like several people were like, you know, and people tell you stories about you just keep coming back, keep knocking on doors, but like some of the people were like, like. One guy, I I tried to get into L'Estrance, which was like three Michelin stars at that time. Pascal Barbeau had had been to Australia, he's like a fluent English speaker, and I went like three days in a row, and on the third day he was like, listen, like, I'm just not, like, you can't speak French. He's (laughs) like, it's just not going to happen. I really admire what you're trying to do, maybe try here, here and here, but this is not this is too high level for you basically is what he said in a nice way oh. but you know at least he was honest and yeah. at least he gave me some recommendations of places that i could go instead so
0: and is is that how you ended up at chateau prion yeah yeah, wow. yeah
1: exactly and like those guys were like super cool like where i was from where i'm from in canada it's not exactly like a culinary hotbed um, and there, I guess, there's not so many people that you can look up to. Like, you know, in, in Melbourne, there are so many like professional career chefs that are like killing it, right? Like absolutely killing it. So you have those kind of trajectories that you can look up to. But I think in France, that was where I was like, okay, hey, these guys, they live cool lifestyles. They basically do whatever they want. They're, they're cooking amazing food. And it just it was fun you know it was like that's
0: good to hear because i feel like i would have thought it would be all like the brigade there as well and that there would be that kind of
1: is it yeah because it wasn't so much like that in france God. and it, it was it, and i think that was because of the places that i chose to go yeah sure great. i then went to london for a, t- a period after that and it was like rough and tumble like really hard like one of the worst years of my life but oh. one that ended up playing paying like the most dividends in terms of like opening up doors down the track and yeah it was like all the nightmare stories you hear about the culture mm. bad culture that was those places in the
0: UK and sure it opens doors to, and I, you know I know you obviously learn things but i mean how much t- is it mostly about opening doors or did you learn a great like a huge amount of technique and so on that year as well you did yeah 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 Yeah.
1: i mean i wouldn't recommend like doing it that way it doesn't need to be like that no um and you you realize that after the fact but um yeah definitely a lot of learning yeah
0: and what brought you to melbourne um it was kind of
1: just, I'd, so I come back from Europe, and I spent a few years in Vancouver, and it was kind of just time to go and see some other things, do some other things, and pad out my CD, like just put a couple of bigger names back on my CD, and the plan was to come back to Canada, mm. and then, you know, the world's your oyster. Mm. Um, and it was a toss-up between San Francisco and here. Oh. I went down to San Francisco and um, it's like very expensive as everyone knows. Um, healthcare is like non-existent in America. Things were kind of starting to get a bit like weird there as well politically. Um, and so I went after a couple of weeks in San Francisco, I came back and I had met a friend in Europe. Um, who was not like hospitality related, he was moving here and I was like, you know what, I'll just do something totally off piste and give this a crack, so yeah. Was there a, a culture
0: shock moving to America? Um,
1: I don't think so. Not as much as like places that I've been to previously, like, you know, not, not compared to France, especially Australia, Canada, being Commonwealth countries, there's a lot of parallels, um, especially in like mentality and, and things like that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I had a slight cut because I thought that Melbourne would be really similar to New Zealand, and it, and it obviously is in many ways. But there are some really quite marked differences. I think just maybe coming from a small country to um, a much bigger one, with just you know, background experiences and just in kind of you know jokes and yeah. <laughs> things, but I think, you know, I think it's probably different, yeah, coming from, well, we do have the same understanding, obviously, as all coming from Commonwealth countries, yeah, it's interesting.
1: But it is it is very different. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's still, it's, it's. I wouldn't say it's like a culture shock, it wasn't shocking no. to me, but it, yeah. of course, any, any new place is going be different.
0: So is that 10 years you've been here now?
1: Nearly, again, I'm terrible with the dates, yeah. but it would be like, Maybe ten in July.
0: Mm. Yeah. Amazing. And just, I'm really. Your menus are so um, delicious and Thank and you. really nice. innovative, but approachable. You know, you're not looking at going. I've got no idea what that is. I just do a quick Google. Um. We. What's your inspiration?
1: Um. I just want people to enjoy themselves. I think you know the days of like these like lauded chefs on like a pedestal that's like that bubble has really burst Mm. like people just don't really care that much Mm. Um, they just want to have a nice time and eat some nice food and be a little bit interested for me that's that's my perception I'm sure there will be people that disagree with my sentiment but um, yeah it's it's not about me it's not about any individual here, it's about people having a nice time. Um, but it still needs to be interesting enough that people who dine out all the time, all around town, constantly, are still stimulated. Mm. So I guess having those kind of familiar pieces to latch onto and then maybe just twisting it or putting a unique spin on it, that's kind of where I find myself.
0: Mm. And is there not a need? I can't think of the word. It's Friday night, um, and let's just say need for now to have seafood and shellfish on the menu because you're by the sea. Of course,
1: yeah. I mean, it's an easy. <laughs> it's it just it makes sense. Like yeah. you, you can see the water, like, and it just so like luckily has fallen into place that that's like a comfort level of mine. Um, It has been for a very long time, and being in Australia, like, honestly, we have some of the best seafood in the world, maybe only Japan, really can kind of edge us out. Mm. Um, And just diversity, like, so much diversity, so many different species, Um, if certain things are unavailable, you can easily pivot and, like, make a a shift. So. like that's that's exciting that's what's fun about being here in Melbourne. absolutely
0: and can you still be surprised by food of
1: course yeah all the time (laughs) all the time yeah um and sometimes when you least expect it like um and sometimes it's not a direct surprise but it'll make you think about things differently i'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head but you know even I, I can't remember where i was but i had something the other day that i thought was going to be hot and it was like cold like deliberately cold um and that was surprising and you know just little things like that you can you, you can be surprised i don't think i'll ever stop being surprised you've never seen it all like i'm the world of food culture is so vast, right so yeah i don't think you'll ever stop being surprised
0: and just to finish with what would be your advice for someone who was thinking about becoming a chef
1: um my advice for someone who's thinking about becoming a chef It's
0: tough. <laughs> well, what would you tell your younger self that you know now that you might have been not so in the clear, in the you know, known about? Look, look to like
1: look up to people. Um, try to I don't know. That's trifle I'm trying. I'm, I'm just thinking of like some of the apprentices that we have and. And, or have had and things that I've told them but it's so hard like because I think it's not easy it's not easy nothing nothing in this life is right mm. um, I guess it would just be keep your chin up like you're you're gonna have setbacks and not every day is gonna be an amazing day but you have to let that kind of water off a duck's back you've got to stay positive stay in a positive environment with positive people as well if you are in a toxic environment with people who are like innately negative get out of it mm. that's no good. um yeah that would be my only advice
0: i think that's good advice <laughs> thank you and all the thank best you. for your residency amazing thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with the Chef with Jordan Clay at Pippi's Kiosk. You can check out all the goodness for yourselves by heading to the edge of the map, Albert Park Beach, and sitting in prime position with the sea, the sunset, the storms, or whatever the day has in store for you. Right now though, you could jump on Instagram at Pippi's Kiosk, that's P-I-P-I-S-K-I-O-S-K or one word, and see all the fabulousness for yourselves if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more stories from other chefs i'm on instagram at conversation with a chef you can read the chat at www.conversationwithashef.com i would so love it if you told a friend about my chats and of course you can follow me on apple and spotify podcasts so then i know that you're there once again thanks for listening and have a great day